Good evening, everyone. A lot of people's mouths are still full, I think. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, we're Jake and McKaylin. We're the worship leaders here at Woodlawn Chapel. Uh, if you don't, well, first of all, why don't everybody just take a minute and swallow their food? All right, just take a minute and get that over with. We'll give them a minute. And once you get that done, turn to someone near you and say these three words, God loves you. So we're going to take this time, we're going to play uh, some worship songs here, and uh, I know a lot of you are still eating, so feel free to continue to eat, but uh, if you get done and want to stand up and sing, uh, you're more than welcome to, so we're just going to start here. There is good news for the captive, the good news for the shame. There is good news for the one who walked away. There is good news for the doubter, one religion failed. For the good Lord has come to seek and save. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer, we are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound, oh, how grace abounds, we will praise the Lord, our rescuer. He is beauty for the blind man, riches for the poor, he is friendship for the one the world ignores. He is pasture for the weary, rest for those who strive. For the good Lord is the way, the truth, the life. Yes, the good Lord is the way, the truth, the life. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound! Oh, how grace abounds! We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. Come and be chainless. Come and be fearless. Come to the foot of Calvary. There is redemption for every affliction here at the foot of Calvary. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We'll praise the Lord, our rescuer. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer.
weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. I'm gonna see your victory. I'm gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see your victory. I'm gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant Cause I know how this story ends I'm gonna see your victory I'm gonna see your victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see your victory I'm gonna see your victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. I'm gonna see your victory, I'm gonna see your victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see your victory, I'm gonna see your victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. All authority 
able to stand, would you please stand as we sing this last one here? This is the
Would you bow your heads with me? God, we just thank you so much for allowing us to come together and in fellowship and worship tonight. Uh, what a wonderful evening this has been. And uh, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Uh, we just, just ask you to bless this evening and, and just open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts, Lord. Um, especially, uh, especially these coming days, Lord, we know what's to come. And we just ask you to, uh, to keep us reminded of, of your great love and the sacrifices you made. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. You may be seated. Okay. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> so, we are uh, this evening going to uh, observe communion here in just a few minutes. Uh, want to? Whoa! There we go. Want to just let you know that um, if you call Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to take communion here. So we don't, uh, we don't have formal membership. In fact, the way I usually say it is, uh, if you like us, we like you. So then congratulations, you're a member. Uh, so we don't have any formal membership. But uh, as we uh, get our hearts prepared to take communion on this uh, beautiful Good Friday, I was thinking about this today, you know, this whole weekend and, and what this all means to us uh, as believers. And <clears throat> thinking about, you know, a word, a word that would really... Uh, describe Good Friday, uh, and that word that kept coming up is is forgiveness. And so uh, I, I choose to call this Good Forgiveness Day when we consider it. Uh, Sunday we can think about newness if we put it in one simple word. But just uh, pondering on a text to kind of focus in as we get our hearts ready uh, for communion. And I apologize, I didn't put that this is in the book of Colossians. That would have been helpful. But this is Colossians chapter two. I put it up here on the screen for us. And what the Apostle Paul writes is he says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made us a public. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. And so, just thinking about uh, the words that Paul writes, speaking specifically about uh, the crucifixion itself, and he begins by addressing their sin. Right? He, he starts there in verse thirteen, and, and he talks about the uncircumcision of your flesh. Now, that brings, especially to men, all different kinds of uh, images in our head. But I want you to focus instead so much on that about what that truly means. It's, it's a tearing away of the flesh. It's a removing of what so easily drives us, the sin that so easily ensnares us. And that's really what he's talking about when he says the, the uncircumcision of your flesh. You're tied to this body. And so he goes on to say, but you've been forgiven, not just of your sins, but specifically of your trespasses. Now, if you've been coming here, you may have heard me say that, that there's actually a difference between sin and trespass. A sin, is a, I think of it as an archery term. It means that I'm going to draw back my bow, and I'm going to intend to hit a bullseye. I'm going to have great intentions, except I'm going to unintentionally miss the mark. So sin is literally missing the mark. Intending to do well, 
Um, that describes much of my life, intending to do a really good job, instead uh, completely missing the mark. And yet that is still, by definition, a failure. I did not hit the mark. It's sin. But that's not the word Paul uses here. He says you've been forgiven of trespasses. A trespass is where you draw back the bow as an archer and you say, you know what, I really don't give a rip about that target. I do not feel like hitting that thing today. And you point in a completely different direction and you let it fly. It's intentionally going against the will of God. And yet when you look at what he's writing here, he says, You've been made alive, and he has forgiven you of your, not just your sins, but your trespasses. You're intentionally, willfully missing the mark. And the beautiful thing about this weekend is is what we find is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Like in the middle of my worst possible spot, he he died for me. Now verse 14 is the verse that I was going to focus on, and I promised I would only go five minutes, but... I'm a preacher, so that means 10. So bear with me. Uh, Verse 14 is what I wanted to focus on. He says, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. And so when you think about the handwriting of requirements, I've, I've heard that said before that this is all the rules and regulations. That Jesus has taken the rules and the regulations and nailed it to the cross. Now, In a lot of ways, he has removed rules and regulations. We get to live in Christ in liberty. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, And yet, um, he didn't remove all rules. In fact, what he actually says in Scripture is, uh, this is a way you're going to know how you're doing, is you're going to be able to follow my commandments, and they're not going to be a burden. You're actually going to get to do this Christian life. It's not going to be a forced set of rules I have to do. That's what living in liberty actually looks like. So if that's the case, what what is... The handwriting of requirements. Well, you have to think back to when Paul's writing in this time of the Roman Empire. And what would happen is they didn't have city banks and all these credit cards. So if you found yourself in a spot of debt, if you had a great need, if you had racked up bigger bills than what you could pay, you can't just continually uh, spend in a deficit like our government does. At some point in time, you've got to level that thing up. And so what people would do that got themselves in a position of debt is they would actually uh, sell their most valuable asset, and that would be uh, themselves. They would sell themselves into slavery for a period of time until the handwriting of requirements had been fulfilled. Until all those things, all those debts that they had racked up had actually been uh, completed. And so as Paul's writing this to them there in Colossae, they would have a very real understanding that the handwriting requirements were essentially the the debts they had racked up, the bill that they could not pay. And when I think about Jesus as he's there on the cross, that's that's what we're here for on Good Friday, right? We're, We're reflecting upon his time on the cross. In John chapter 19, verse 30, his final words were, It is finished. That's how he wrapped it up. Now, when you look at that, in the original Greek, uh, it's an interesting word. It's actually the word uh, tetelestai. And that might not mean a lot to you that don't speak Greek. Uh, I don't actually speak Greek either. So hang on just a minute. We'll get there. Because tetelestai, um, it's actually an accounting word. 
So as they would rack up their debts that they could not pay, when they had finally worked enough for the, for the wealthy owner that had taken on their bills and paid them, when they had finally paid that bill off, what they would do, the Romans would actually stamp the top of that handwriting of requirements with a word, to telestai. It means paid in full. Payment is complete. It's accepted. And so that's precisely what Jesus said as John records his final words. Now that reminds me of a, of a story. Uh, I'll be brief as, as, as much as I can. But when I was in high school, my first uh, vehicle when I turned 16 was a 1987 little Ford Ranger pickup truck. This was my uh, path to freedom. It might not have been beautiful to most people, but it was beautiful to me. And so I cruised all through town, picked up this hot little thing over here uh, in my 1987 Ford Ranger pickup truck. And, and until uh, my senior year, one evening, it was uh, foggy, uh, out in the country, couldn't see exactly where I was going, and I made a turn a little too sharp. And instead, I hit a bridge abutment, or actually a, a culvert uh, cap uh, on, the, on the corner of a road out in the country, and rolled up the fender on my beautiful little 1987 Ford Ranger pickup truck. And it needed to go into the shop. There was no uh, fixing it. It was uh, too damaged. So thankfully, uh, my father had a friend, a guy named Richard Gard, and he had a place known as the body shop down in Casey. And Richard uh, took my vehicle in, and he began to work on it. But that also meant that I now had a debt that needed to be paid. And so I got a job at the Casey IGA, very glorious, glamorous job, sacking groceries and stocking shelves in order to pay the debt that I had racked up. Now, in the meantime, uh, the only vehicle I then had to drive was uh, Dad had a little uh, black Dodge D50. Now, that may sound like an awesome truck, but it was actually made by Datsun, and it was a four-cylinder. And at some point in time, the, uh, the exhaust had fallen off. So this little four-cylinder uh, hunk of junk sounded like, and it had uh, exactly no power at all. You talk about insulting, and to make matters worse, it had a topper shell. I mean, nothing says cool like driving the dog D50 into the parking lot with the topper shell. But this is me, in, back and forth to the IGA, back and forth to school in the dog 50. So here I was working for several months now, waiting for my truck to get repaired, when finally, uh, as I'm sacking groceries at the end of the line, uh, in walks Richard to the KZIGA. My truck had been fixed. It had been repaired, and I was so happy to see him there. So I finished doing my job and uh, walked off to the side to talk to him, and he had in his hand an invoice. And he said, well, I got good news, young man. Your truck's fixed. I'm all right, back in business. No more dog 50 for me. He handed me the invoice. I looked at it, and it was over $2,000. He said, I wanted to talk to you about it in person because the damage was a little more than we thought. Had to replace the fender, and actually the frame was bent. So I had to get it up on the rack, straighten the thing out, and, and it ended up taking, that's what took so long. And so I remember just staring down at that invoice, thinking, I've worked here at this IGA for three months. I'd save 300 bucks. That's, that's all I managed to scrape together. I'm going to be till the end of eternity driving the stinking dog 50 everywhere I go. That's what's going through my mind. And then uh, he continued to talk to me. He said, you know something, young man? 
I've watched you since you were a little guy, knowing you your whole life. I've kept an eye on you. Uh, I want you to know something. I'm actually really proud of you. You've done a whole lot better than what a lot of other kids in your class have done. You've had your problems for sure. Um, but I want you to know I'm really, really proud of you and watching how you've handled things and how you handled this situation. So that's why I wanted to come in here and talk to you in person. And he took the invoice out of my hand and he ripped it up right there. Now, unfortunately, those are my notes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Here's what he said. He said, don't you worry about the bill. It's paid in full. I didn't know what to say. You know, what do you say to something like that? <laughs> I just stood there like a big 17-year-old baby crying at the IGA because I realized, like, th there was no reconciling that. I wasn't going to be able to work long enough, hard enough at the KZIGA to make enough money to pay off that bill. That's almost as much as a stinking truck cost, you know? And so when we take those kind of things into consideration and then reflecting it back on exactly what Jesus did, here's the reality of salvation. And if you don't know him, I want to encourage you, you need to, because here's the deal. You cannot pay that debt. You cannot work hard enough. You cannot log in enough hours. You cannot work enough food pantries. While that is wonderful and awesome and grand, you cannot do enough to pay that debt. On our best day, Isaiah says, our righteousness is this a filthy rags? That's as good as we can do. And so when we ponder precisely what he did 2,000 years ago on the cross, and he said those words, paid in full. And you actually look at what that means. It's actually in perfect present tense. That doesn't mean a lot in, unless you understand the way he said it is it's not just it was paid in full, it's that it continues to be paid in perpetuity in full. That every day it's paid in full. That means even the sin that you're going to commit tomorrow, the next day, the next day, he's already taken care of that. That's the beauty of this salvation. That's the very thing that Satan did not understand when he made certain he was nailed to that cross. That's why in verse 15, we read, he disarmed the principalities and powers. Those are ranks of the demonic. He disarmed them, and he made a public spectacle of them. He made them look foolish that night. They were certain he was dead. He was gone. The king of kings is no more. But instead, he triumphed over them. So as we're going to take a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity for communion. I want to encourage you to reflect on exactly what that means to you. What it means for him to have paid it all in full, completely, for all time. And so Jake and Michaela are going to come up and they're going to play again for us. Uh, as you would like to, if you want to send a member of your family to, you can. If you'd like to go up individually and get the elements, they're all up here on this table. Um, that is both the, the bread and the cup. I will tell you that the bread is on top and the little cellophane wrapper 
and the juice is underneath it. So don't get mad about the wrappers and become the cussing Christian because it doesn't come apart the way you want it to. Uh, it'll be okay. So the, there's the bread and the cup over there. I want to encourage you to go take an opportunity and take that with us here in just a few moments.
in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul addresses as they would have their own agape feasts, thinking back on the sacrifice of Jesus, just how the Lord's Supper was to be taken in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you for your body that was broken on our behalf. Lord, this is a debt that we could by no means repay, and yet you, you willingly, voluntarily took it on on our behalf. Lord, we thank you that nails did not nail you on the cross, but love did. Father, thank you for allowing your body to be broken so that we could have life. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul continues and says in verse 25, And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we gather here tonight to do just that, to proclaim uh, your death until the day you return. Thank you, Lord, that the story does not stop on Friday. Thank you, Father, that the forgiveness that you offered up to each of us on Friday is here in just a few days, going to be followed up by the newness of life that you offer for all who believe. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was poured out on our behalf. Again, a debt that we could by no means repay. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for seeing us through. Thank you for giving us bodies and groupings and collections of believers that can come together and praise your name, Lord. Thank you for the love that abounds in the fellowship of the brethren. Father, please continue to bless all these people who gathered here. Thank you for those who sacrificed and brought food. Thank you for those who sacrificed their time. Lord, thank you so much that we have a place to meet and call home. But Father, please don't let it stop there. Lord, please give us the power and the ability to go beyond the walls of this place, to go out into the community, out into the people, where your name can be proclaimed and lifted high, and they will know that we are followers of yours by our love. The same agape love that you showed for us, that you allowed yourself to be nailed upon a cross, is the same agape love that we can give to all those in the surrounding community. Thank you for that, Lord. Please help us. Give us courage and strength to be able to do that. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.
Amen. All right, would you all please stand as we sing our closing song? Saturday was silent, surely it was through. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment, some days empty too. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? This is the sound of a dry bones rattling. This is a praise, make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Pentecostal fire, stirring something new. You're not gonna run out of miracles anytime soon. Resurrection power runs in my veins too. I believe there's another miracle here in this room. This is the sound of a dry bones rattling. This is a praise, make a dead man walk again. Hope in the grave, I'm coming out, I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of a dry bones rattling. Oh my God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants to just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of elisha if there's anything that he can do just ask the stone that was rolled at the tomb in the garden what happens when god says to move I feel Him moving it now, I feel Him doing it now, I feel Him doing it now, do it now, do it now, do it now. Oh, this is the sound of a dry bones rattling. Oh, this is a praise, make a dead man walk again. Hope in the grave, I'm coming out, I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of a dry bones rattling. And the church says, Amen. All right, now we're on uh, for our next hour. I'm just kidding. What what was the announcement? I'm sorry. I had an announcement. Oh, yeah. So we've got these flowers. These are your parting gifts, door prizes. So please take a flower home to your family.
We have no idea what kind of flowers they are. They're resurrection flowers. Take a resurrection flower home with you guys. Thank you so much for coming. If there's any food still out, eat it. All right? You guys are welcome to hang out, have coffee, stay as long as you like. Thank you, guys.